0: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Red Circle, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check out the -the off-the-floor Discord. Should have been on there already. We had people going all day long during the trade deadline, not just about the Heat, but the other teams. We check in there quite a bit ourselves. You can find our updates at Five on the Floor host updates, but also the Trade Machine channels, the Fantasy Gambling channels, other NBA game channels. We're going to be doing an NBA draft channel. Now that we're pivoting to that a little bit, $2 and 99 cents per month. You can find the link right here posted in the description on the YouTube channel as well as on the podcast feeds and pinned to the top of the five reasons Twitter page. Also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network, our friends over at tub culture, about a week from Valentine's day. You still got time to get in here. We've got a great local business again, big Miami heat fans. And what do they do? They make bath and body products. That are all handmade using gentle, natural ingredients with no animal testing. They got something from everyone from soaps that gently clean the bath bombs that smell amazing. And add fun colors to the bath plus shower steamers for a spa-like aromatherapy experience at home. Handcrafted lotions because no one likes dry skin. And scrubs that clean and moisturize in one step. So check them out. It's shoptubculture.com. That's shoptubculture.com. Promo code is 5-F-I-V-E. F-I-V-E, and you get 10% off your order of 20 bucks or more. And now, today's episode. Down to
2: this gang. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars. Wear a bubble frogs. Just like Buck is You in trouble, y'all. Check the floor, play. Got a all van, Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And with Trust is have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up.
1: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network.
0: All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor here in the Five Reasons Sports Network. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick, and at Five Reasons Sports, I got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket and Brady Hawk. You can follow at Brady Hawk. The trade deadline has come and gone. I got the text at 301 that I was waiting for. We did not make a move. Miami Heat did not make a move here prior to the trade deadline. Of course, they made one about 10 days ago for Terry Rozier. We're going to talk about that more as we go forward. But we know that Heat fans were disappointed because, obviously, they want transactions. We understand that. Also, this team does seem to have some needs still, especially, uh, I would say, at the four spot, maybe getting a little bit more length playing there next to BAM but they're going to go with a group that they got with the exception of buyouts. And we'll get to that later in the program. But one of the things we're going to get to as we go forward here is that other teams, in the East did make moves. And I don't want to look past the fact that the heat made a major move. So let let me go before we get into what the Knicks did, what the bucks did, uh, what, uh, what Philadelphia did, which is kind of a pivot for them right now. Then what teams like Toronto, Indiana, and some of the others in the Eastern conference, of course, Toronto and Indiana had already made a trade, uh, the Siakam trade, which we're still seeing how that plays out. Um, are you guys disappointed they didn't do anything today? Alex?
2: No. No. Are we, are we doing short answer, long answer? Or what, what do you
0: – Oh, that's the shortest answer you've ever given. You can expand a little bit more.
2: Okay. Okay. No, we were just doing a rapid uh, 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 takes there. But really, to me, no, I was not expecting much. My expectations were – in the gutter when it comes to the Heat making another move. Like, I already thought them trading a first-round pick was them kind of going out of their way, considering the way that they've treated their first-round picks in the, in the Jimmy era, where they'd like to keep them stacked up for, you know, an insert star player here, whenever that scenario pops up again. And for them to do one, I think, was more than enough for them, just kind of knowing the way that they operate. So I wasn't expecting another one to get moved for, like, an upgrade type of player. And in that case, to me, I think the only thing that could have been expected today or even – not even expected, um, but, like, maybe could have happened was something uh, to do with Caleb. And it's, it is it is somewhat telling that they didn't move him. I think they still believe in him. It's obvious um, coming after, you know, him becoming the new starter once again, as as he tends to do, he becomes a starter. And, and it, it's they, – they go back to him a lot, and I think they trust him a little bit more than people – might've given him credit for. And I think they're just going to take the path of being like, you know, um, we're going to see if we can bring you back. And if not, it's too bad. And that's kind of what they've done in the past. Not surprised by it one bit. I, I think the one thing that, you know, that people who are somewhat upset with the heat about, that's kind of fair is that even if you didn't want to move it first, they had some seconds that they could have traded. And there was a lot of seconds getting moved um, at this trade deadline. Like, for, for just kind of like back-end rotation players. So if you wanted to go after that, I think that's fair, right? But we're not talking about needle movers there. And I think that's probably what it came down to for the Heat, where it's like, you know, is it worth trading multiple seconds for a back-end sort of rotation player? Because that's kind of what it felt like the market was. And I think they just decided, no, you know, we're not going to do that. And I'm also glad that they didn't dump a second alongside – um, Bryant and Drew Smith, for example, to get under the first apron because they've it they could have easily done that. They've done moves like that in the past. And um, I'm glad that they made that value judgment that it's not, it's not worth it. So it would have been cool if they added another player. Um, I'm glad they didn't swap Caleb for a worse player. And that's kind of where I'm, I stand. I, I'm, I'm still glad they did the Rosier move um, ahead of time because that's something that was going to need a little bit more time to get integrated with. So, you know, I'm all right. <laughs>
0: A couple things on this, Brady. Um, first thing, it, it it does seem like the pick inflation came down from last trade deadline. That last year, five second round picks for Jay Crowder. There were a couple of those moves that were made. You didn't see that. Like Alex is right, there were second rounders flipped, but it wasn't like the volume of second rounders. I keep coming back to this. Okay, yeah. the Heat's objective every year is to give Eric Spolstra roughly seven players that he feels comfortable closing with. So whether you have injuries situational based on, you know, who you're playing positions, flow of the game, whatever, that he's got seven options there. He's at least six, but, but they like to have seven options. And I, I don't think there was anything out there today for them that would have gotten them a player that would have necessarily plugged into those final seven. Because when I look at the final seven, and the only way to really do it was to trade Caleb, actually, which is the conversation we're, we're sort of getting into here. But, I mean, it's going to be Jimmy. It's going to be Bam. It's going to be Tyler. Again, conversations on Tyler for another day. They weren't moving Tyler uh, in this. It's, gonna be Terry uh, it's going to be Terry Rozier. It's going to be Hakez, I believe, once he kind of gets himself rounded sort of back into shape. He's been rusty of late. We talk about Caleb, probably not Love, uh, not in most circumstances, right? Mm. Am I missing a big one here? No, that's the group, basically, right? So so you're talking about about they have their six or seven already. Was there anybody out there that you thought, okay, if they can get this guy? And and the player that was moved, because Dorian Finney-Smith wasn't moved. The Nets moved Royce O'Neal. They moved Dinwiddie. They didn't move Dorian Finney-Smith. Was there anybody out there that was moved that you were like, okay, that would have been worth swapping, say, Caleb and a second, or Caleb in a couple seconds or something like that to get someone like that to close?
1: Not really. I, I think, to your point, like you're talking about adding a, you know one of those final seven, and you, the only guy to Alex's point about Caleb is like, the one guy you were potentially moving was Caleb, and he is one of your, your six or seven. So it's you're in a spot now where it, I, my expectation on them making a move was like at zero. Like I just did not feel like a big possibility. Uh, even the part about Caleb was like, you cannot say you're in a win now mode. You cannot say you're in the Jimmy Butler window. You cannot give up a first round pick for Terry Rozier and get rid of your expiring contract and then go ahead and dump Caleb Martin for something worse. Like it's just not what they're going to do. It's not the Miami Heat way. It's not what you do to a guy like Jimmy Butler who is performing. And, and, and I don't want to say Jimmy Butler only, but Jimmy and Spo and Bam and all the way down the line. These guys that are trying to compete for a championship. It's just. It's at the point now you cannot just, and we say this all the time make a move for the sake of making moves. Now, talking about some of the back end stuff, getting away from the, the you know the closing guys, I think there were certain guys that maybe could have helped in the regular season get you through just because, as as much as they're on a four winning four of their last five, like this, this regular season has not been pretty. There are certain guys that they could have used along this stretch, uh, and you never know who can go down moving forward. So, I mean, I guess the big thing there is that when I'm looking around at a lot of these guys, and I remember we had this conversation before, like in previous years, it's like the guys that are being traded for, you know, certain draft capital is guys that I think you can get equal value for in the buyout market. And I know we're going to touch on that later, but that's kind of the always been their view. It's what they did last year. There were guys getting moved and all of a sudden they picked up Kevin Love. And a year later, he's one of their top six or seven guys on the team this season. So Things could change pretty quickly, but in terms of just the, a, a certain guy out there, not really. I mean, Bogdanovich is a guy that gets brought up all the time, but I don't feel like that was a, that just didn't make sense. It probably was it was past that point of, of being a realistic target. So, other than that, it just it felt like this their move. As much as the, the saying has has been drawn out a little bit, like they did, they made their move. Their their move was Terry Rozier.
0: Well, they made their move, and I think uh, we went through this on playback today. And thanks for those uh, who joined us. We're on there for about three hours. I mean, Terry Rozier was a top three player moved in this, right? I mean, they trade that. I mean, if we, okay. First thing, a lot of this was done prior because Toronto got its work done early, right? So, and they did more work today, but Ananobi, Siakam, Rozier, were all traded prior to this. Like, those were three names that were out there. For does Harden count? Gordon
2: Hay, what was that? Does Harden count in this exercise? Well, about no, he no, he does. him getting traded before. No, So, at worst, Rosier is the fourth. At worst, fourth behind behind those guys. And and, and at best, third. I mean, second.
0: Today, would we we argue that, uh, I mean, Bogdanovich is in the mix there. I mean, Gordon Hayward was not as valued as Rosier on the very same team, right? Nor was PJ Washington. So, we, we knew Charlotte would move some players. The Nets. Dorian Finney-Smith, I mean, was a high-end role player. Again, Royce O'Neal was maybe a slight step below him. Dinwiddie had fallen out of favor there. I mean, a lot of the names that got moved were names that we talked about by teams that we talked about making moves. But Detroit, Brooklyn, Toronto. Some just didn't make as many moves as as were expected. And then Chicago did nothing, uh, which was another Chicago and Atlanta were two of the teams that we thought might pivot and move guys that were higher end guys, whether it was a DeJounte Murray or a Vucevic or then Levine getting hurt. He kind of got taken off the table. Caruso, those things didn't happen. So if you, I mean, we'll find out in sort of the autopsy here. And I always find out more after the fact who the heat were actually in on, but of the guys that were moved today, there was nobody. They were like, okay, if they had done this, they could have gotten that guy. I, again, once they gave up the first round pick for Rozier, which was, sort of a high-end hedge play. That's how I've described it. It's kind of, it's like, you know, you weren't giving up everything, like you might have had to for Murray or something like that, but you get a player who fills needs for you, has to shoot the ball better, but we've seen a lot of other things that we wanted to see from him, getting in the paint, uh, setting up others, giving them that quickness that they don't have uh, on the rest of the roster. Let me go to you on on this for Caleb. I'll go, I'll go to you first, Alex, and then I want to get into some of the other teams around the league. To justify... Not trading him and then re signing him because I, I are kind of two different questions. Because I know you've talked about being frustrated if they don't trade him, right? And then they don't re sign him. Mm-hmm. But to do both, what does he have to do here
2: to get re signed again?
0: Yeah. I mean, because if he's going to opt out of seven million, you're assuming he's going to make at least 10 or 12 per, right?
2: Somewhat, I, I just. Even if it if even if we're just assuming a slight raise, so you know, to not get too specific, I still think Caleb would have to essentially be a consistent, like what we're talking about, kind of top seven players, somebody who closes every now and then, doesn't have to be every night, but it's somebody who is kind of looked at seriously as a closing option and who plays, I don't know, like what is it, 25-ish type of minutes, 20 bits. I don't know where where his minutes have been at, but I think you know, just a consistently good two-way role player for them who's in that top seven, I think would probably, probably be enough for him to opt out. But um, there could probably still, you know, I think a case could be made that there is a slim chance he opts in. I just wouldn't expect it. I, I wouldn't expect it. Um, But if, if, you know, if he gets advice from his agent telling him, you know, the market is not going to be there like you think it is, and he just wants to opt in and, and you know, maybe it, it looks better next time, I, it wouldn't be that crazy. but. I think he needs to be a top 7 player for them. He can't be somebody who's like in and out of the rotation or anything like that. Um and, and honestly, obviously w- w- everything going on with with Haywood is up in the air right now, but he is linked to this conversation because of um, you know, him being a free agent this this coming summer. And they got away from, they got further away from the second apron with um the Rozier trade, which is why it was such a like a a very convenient deal for the Heat too because it was like You know you had that expiring contract but you 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 traded him for a a much more useful player i'm not hating on kyle but just for a first round pick i thought it was good value for that but not only that you, you got further away from that second apron and you have a guy who's locked down at a decent contract but now do they have enough you know since they don't have the 30 million expiring anymore um do they have enough to keep both caleb and haywood and that I'm not sure about. I'm not sure what that market is going to look like um, by the end of the season after the playoffs. Obviously, things are going to change between now and then. Um, and maybe they feel like they might be able to keep both. And for all we know, they have a preference on who they'd rather keep right now. Maybe some people thought it was going to be Haywood with the way things started. But as of recently, you know, Caleb has become the starter again. And Spo made comments after that night about, you know, it's, they're at their best when everybody's a live weapon. And then Tyler said in the locker room about it was, it's nice. Something to the effect of it's nice when everybody in the starting lineup can make a play or attack a closeout or something like that. And I, I think there's something to that. I think they, they may just trust Caleb a little bit more than people thought.
0: Well, I, I think that this is where this has been heading all along. And I, it may not be what holds up in the playoffs. Cause I still think there's a chance that Hawkins could be the card that he plays in the playoffs to slide into that four spot, but let, let's go around the NBA a little bit, Brady, um, and look at some of the moves that the other teams made. And then the other side of the break, we'll get into the buyout market. Is it safe to say that the Knicks, through this entire process, if if you go back the you know a month, have improved themselves the most in the East? Is that is that fair? The adding Bogdanovich on top of uh, and Burks, who they have had mm-hmm. before, it was useful for them. They needed shooting. And OG is going to be out in at least three weeks, but we saw what he was providing. Have the Knicks had the best sort of trade deadline period here in
1: the East? One hundred percent. I mean, they they went all the way in. They they got uh, they they have their guy in Jalen Brunson, as we all know, watching him in the playoffs last year in that second round. Like, just they built around him a little bit and got uh, a guy like Ananobi to kind of balance him out well. Bogdanovich I know we were all kind of fans of him and and kind of his game in general when we talked about him for the heat but it's that's kind of a perfect guy to put in in there he's he doesn't demand the ball but he can also put Brunson off the ball at times and he can kind of play in that range a little bit and then uh I mean everybody was talking about them picking up a backup point guard maybe they still will in the buyout market I'm not sure but Alec Burks is obviously another another shot maker in the mix so 100 like they have depth they have a lot of guys they can go to offensively it does not feel like they're one-dimensional anymore uh so they definitely went all the way in. But now also – and this doesn't just go for them because I think they actually made legitimate moves. But you look around in the rest of these teams. Like you you look at Milwaukee who who have some issues defensively on the perimeter and they add a guy like Patrick Beverly or, or Boston kind of loading up on that front line and they pick up Xavier Tillman, which is a good pickup because they're, they're just kind of leaning in a certain direction. But can we also note the fact that like people just get excited when they see moves? And we know this from the Heat side of things. That like you see a move – A lot of these guys we're seeing that are getting to these contenders probably won't be playing a lot of playoff minutes. They probably won't be playing big big in these big games and everything that I also want to just like pump the brakes a little bit. And so we'll see what happens with with those type of teams. The Knicks are not one of them because a lot of the guys, obviously, that they picked up uh, are going to be crucial. Also, the Pacers, like Siakam picking him up and also Buddy Heald kind of going out the door. A lot of things look different over there. But for a lot of these other teams, I just want to note that because – The Heat are one of the teams that are actually going to look different. They're one of the teams that with Terry Rozier that actually have a guy that's going to be playing in the big minutes of these playoff games where I know it's fun to see these these trades come in and everything. But we'll see how impactful like Xavier Tillman is in a playoff series against you know whatever team like there's things that are going to have to add up at that point. But I mean, yeah, there was some decent moves today. We'll see how they match up against Miami. Ethan, I'll ask you one real quick. Wh- which one, in terms of if Miami is going to match up with one of these teams in the playoffs, do you think moves them most?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think the Tillman move is significant in terms of a Miami matchup. I really don't. Um, I think the way that the Heat are going to try to play against them, I, I don't I don't think he changes the dynamic too much. Um, you mentioned, I, I think you made, you made a good point about we make a big deal about these moves. I mean, last year when the Bucs got Crowder for the five-second round picks, he didn't even play. In the playoffs, like, I mean, they got Crowder, they got Drogic, they've got, I mean, they, they, and and these guys didn't end up playing for them. Um, I think the Philadelphia move for Healed is a significant move, honestly. And it didn't get talked about as much today, because I think that everybody has kind of put Philadelphia to the back now, because with the uncertainty over Embiid. But if you think about it, if he can get back to 100%, and now they've added an off-ball player... To play off of him when he gets doubled, it's. I think it's going to create. I mean, they already have Tobias, but I just. I like the. I, Heald's defense is not great. We know that, but just to have another guy. I mean, he's going to win them a playoff game. Like I, when I look at players that you add at this stage to your core, I say, can this guy win you a game or two in the playoffs? Like, can he turn a game? And, and I think I think Heald's a very smart acquisition for them. And I think that that Nick Nurse will know how to use him. Um so I I like that for them. Is Kyle I, you know, going I mean, to win them a playoff at, game? Uh, well, that's the other thing. They've set up to add him. And and mm-hmm. it's predictable that they were going to add him. I think it's always made sense for Kyle to go back to Philly uh for family and other reasons. Um and so there's no I, I don't think there's any shock that that was going to be the case. Phoenix was the other option I thought for him. Uh maybe the Clippers, but I, the Clippers seem a little too too loaded in that backcourt right now. So so it it's not going to be there, but I, I do think with Philly uh, particularly the healed acquisition. You know, I look at um I look at the Knicks, and here's my question about them. Is Tibbs gonna play all these guys? Because ultimately, like you mentioned to Brady, like they have a little more depth. They lost quickly, they lost Barrett, but when they get Ananobi back in the mix and now adding Burks, who they're familiar with, and Bogdanovich. But isn't he just gonna ride his key? He's gonna ride Brunson for 43 minutes, isn't he? And Og for Mm forty and Randall for thirty nine when he comes back, so I I think depth means more for certain teams than others. Like I think Spo will actually deploy his depth. I'm not sure that Tibbs will, and so I kind of I kind of look past it just a little bit. But yeah, the Boston move doesn't bother me. The Bucks moves uh, don't bother me. Um, I, I think and I think in the Western Conference. I mean, look at it. There really wasn't a ton of significance, right? Like, I mean, OKC made probably the most dramatic move, and I do think if Hayward's healthy, that adding somebody to that uh, that bench who can playmake for them, I think, is something that will really help them. And I think he can close some games for them still. I think still they, still think he'd be productive. But I look at the rest of it. I mean, the Pelicans didn't do anything uh, dramatic. Uh, you take Dallas a late- made some good moves.
1: Think- Was that Dallas made some good moves? I thought.
0: Dallas is the one. Um, Dallas is the one, and I and I, I did like what they did. I I think adding Gafford in particular is is a helpful move for them to add another big uh, to the mix. There, they may just need guys who don't need the ball. Like on that team, they just need guys who don't make the ball. No, don't need the ball. Are going to hustle, rebound, and do those kind of things. So I thought they did some nice things, but I don't think there was anything that significantly changed uh, the dynamic. I, I think it's I think it's still the Knicks are a concern. Cleveland did not do anything of note. Um, that was another team to watch. Orlando, I thought might be more active than they were. They were not. Um, the Lakers. Much
2: What's that? The Lakers didn't do anything either.
0: The Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers did nothing. So I. I, I, but I so I don't think. I don't think this is that Heat fans should look at this as oh we missed all these opportunities and all these teams passed us. I, I think this is a case of the Heat were able to grab a guy two weeks before the deadline, who was going to be sought after today. And they got additional time to look at him. And now, you know, they have to incorporate him better. And that's, you know, as we go into it, like, to me, the most important day this week was not necessarily the trade deadline. It's they're finally practicing tomorrow. Like, they actually have (laughs) a morning practice. Terry Rozier is going to have his first one with the team. And that and the all-star break and a chance for Spo to go in the lab and kind of figure out, how am I going to make the Rozier hero thing work this year? How am i who who's going to have the ball in these key situations what kind of lineup combinations can i use this has all been done on the fly they did it on purpose to get him in early i think they probably would have had to pay more if they'd done it today than if they did it you know when they actually did it and i still like the move and i don't have an issue with anything that didn't happen today but i do after the break want to get into the buyout market because i do think there are some options there uh, for miami but they may not be the ones that everybody's talking about do want to mention a couple great sponsors of the five reasons sports network, our friends over at prize picks, use the code five F I V E get that free Patrick Mahomes square. He's just got to throw from one passing yard and you cash in on that one. So pair that with something else. Again, use the code five, get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. That's a key point we always make here and better edge. We've got a super bowl contest going there right now. We got to get Alex and Brady on that thing. We got Alfredo, Sean, a lot of us in five reasons sports network, 20 bucks to play free money if you just use the code 5 rsn that's the number 5 rsn this is peer-to-peer sports betting so it is legal in the state of florida and 43 other states check it out at betteredge.com use the code 5 rsn this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day go for a run take a nap maybe check the stats of the latest miami heat game i've got a better idea to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's
1: American-Giant.com slash Mike.
0: All right, the buyout market. I just want to quickly explain this because there's this, (laughs) this thing that happens on Twitter where first, everybody was upset that the Heat don't spend any money, right? That's the perception, right? The Heat don't spend, they are top 10 in payroll, but they don't want to spend their cheap. But they've spent enough to be over the first apron, and only seven teams that's the case for. And because of that, one of the consequences is they can't just sign any buyout guy they want. It has what's the what's the number, Alex? Twelve point four million, is that right?
2: Yeah. If they make that or more, uh, and get bought out, the Heat or anybody else over the first apron cannot sign them. So that would have applied to a Gordon so, Hayward buyout, for example, it applies now to Dinwiddie, Marcus Morris, etc.
0: And these are all names. As soon as those names popped up, and we, t- I think we told you on Five on the Floor, there were going to be more buyout guys this year, useful buyout guys because of all the activity. What ends up happening is just to match salary, players are sent somewhere and they're not sent to contenders. And so those teams get rid of them and then they're available but they're not totally available to the heat. So again, when people are making the argument about how much the heat should spend, it's not just about what comes out of the luxury tax and out of the ownership's pockets. It's also what you're not allowed to do once you go past the first apron and then the second apron. So I'm gonna go through, you, Alex, you had a list and then Brady and I'll go through these pretty quickly. What are some guys who would be under that threshold?
2: All right, so um, I, I saw a potential list of guys who may or may not be buyout guys. Um, shout out um, Yossi Goslin; He was on the podcast. Um, and it's it's a pretty long list here, so they're not all in the same category. But do you want me to, like, list them all, or do you want me to say, like, ones that I think might be useful for the Heat?
0: Just Throw, throw a name out there, and we'll talk about it, because I, I have a couple in mind here.
2: All right, when it comes to just, like, let, let's, like, some of those, like, older vets, the ones that stand out to me are Thad Young. Otto Porter, maybe if you want to add a, an extra shooter, like Seth Curry, Patty Mills. Uh, you know, there's a couple, like, recent first-round picks that they can go after, like Kyra Lewis. Uh, you know, Killian Hayes also got waived today. I think we might have seen enough of him, though. Uh, James Booknight. Yeah. James Booknight yeah. got waived today. Uh, but as far as – Shake Milton also, kind of like an in-between guy, late 20s who might be okay. But there, I wouldn't say there's a lot of guys who would jump in to your rotation guaranteed. And I think a lot of people are, are, are monitoring, like, DeLon Wright from the Wizards, who hasn't been bought out yet uh, as, like, a, you know, a guy who could help the Heat with guard defense. But as far as who's actually waived slash bought out, it seems like Otto Porter, Thad Young, you know, those are the types of guys that they could go after. Maybe one of those shooters I mentioned with Patty or Curry. All
0: right. So th- those are the two names that jumped out to me. Actually, the three names. You mentioned DeLon Wright. I, I expect Thad Young to be a target. I, I just do. he he is um, I understand that he doesn't he he doesn't have the athleticism he had earlier in his career. He's thirty five years old. He was playing pretty heavy minutes lately, though. so I mean, he's still <laughs> ambulatory. but the, the thing about that, young that I think is going to appeal to them is he has a reputation of being a very good locker room guy. and and uh, every every place that he's been. And also, uh, I, I know he still has a relationship with Igudala, who he played with in Philadelphia. Uh, and obviously, Andre has very high, uh, you know, very positive thoughts about the Heat organization. It just feels to me, Brady, like he's the type of guy you just put in the locker room. And if you need him for a few minutes at the fours, he's kind of the prototypical four that would play next to band. And not always, hasn't always been a great three point shooter, but. I don't know. That one feels to me like the primary target. And then the other one is Porter. But the question with Porter who's a little bit younger is he's always hurt. Um, so I don't know where he is physically at this point. How do you think that young would fit as a, it feels like a Kevin love edition, which that you can always use. If you have a roster spot, you can always use another one of those.
1: Yeah. Before he even said the list, that young was kind of the guy that that jumped out to me previously. You mentioned him playing the four. I mean, he'd be playing the five by Sunday. Let's be honest. Like he's not getting a long stint there, uh, but like the heat have a type and, and he's, he's their type. Like he's the type of guy that they're into. Like they're the type of guy that they usually try to go get. Uh, it is interesting. The Kevin love thing. Cause it is similar to that kind of, I, I think back to last year in terms of what they needed last year. And then, I mean, I don't even think we'd expect that Kevin love to play the role that he did later in that season. And I'm not saying that would be the case for Thad young, but I mean, they could use them and, and there's certain things like auto Porter is interesting, but like, I feel like, I feel like they have auto Porters. I feel like they have, they have all these wings on this team that they, they don't even know what to do with that. It feels like at times Caleb and I'me are getting in each other's way where they're, they don't know where to kind of who's playing what role that they don't really need that, even though he's more of a kind of an outside shooter. Uh, but that young is a guy that they like guys as well. That just like, other than the locker room thing, like just play their own game, play their own role, does not demand the ball, does not get in the way of others. Like it feels like he's that type of player. Uh, and it's one of those things. There's no, you know, it's a not a high risk. It's a low reward. It's a high, what is it? High risk, high reward uh, type of move. So, I mean, and then some of the guards, like if Shake Milton was a guy that I would take a flyer on. I mean, if you could have a type of guy, like they've had that type of talent before that they've been able to develop, that we've seen him play at a high level in Philly. That I don't see a reason. You look at this roster, like, yeah, they have certain guys that are playing, you know, Jaime and Josh are playing backup point guard for this team right now. There's no reason not to. I'm not saying he's gonna be their backup point guard, but on certain nights, there's no reason to try to get him through the rest of this regular season and try to get some of those reps. So that would be one that that I would personally try to look into maybe a little bit more. But but that young's kind of the mold of the player.
0: Well, that young is gonna get bought out. Um Delon Wright, again, there's been no word on that yet. But of the guards, that would be my choice. And and the reason it would be my choice, I I I understand the case for Curry or Milton. I don't know that Curry would play for Spo defensively. Honestly, that that would be my concern. He was not a great defender to begin with. He's gotten worse over the years. Um, But Delon Wright gives him something a little different, I think, because I mean his skill is Alex. He's a point of attack defender. Like we've seen that he gave zero problems in the playoffs couple of years ago, yeah. like that's it feels like if Josh wasn't getting it done that you could go to Delon Wright. And there was also a relationship uh there already obviously between the organization and Durrell uh that's very positive. Darrell was actually back for uh for Haslam's uh ceremony the other day. Uh, that mm-hmm. would be the of, of the guards on the list, that would be my preference for a small minute role in games where they're just having trouble, you know, keeping guys out of the paint.
2: Me too. I think, you know, I'm always somebody who has gone back to them, like, needing to be, like, just kind of fitting into their defensive identity first things first, and I think he fits right into that with, like, Brady kind of mentioned there. I think he would fit right into the, you know, the press, the zone, all that stuff. I think he's a good one-on-one defender, does a good job fighting over screens. He's kind of strong for for a point guard, too, so, um, you know, not, like, too big but he 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 can handle a little bit of size for for guards as well so that i wouldn't mind at all i think he'd probably be my preference too if he does get bought out um i i do like the shake milton idea as well ultimately i feel like i'm not sure any of these guys would would sneak into the rotation over their current nine um and to be frank I, I like Haywood more than all of them as well. But as far as like having deaf pieces who could fit and who could help along the way, along you know in the regular season, I'm not against it. I mean, they have a current roster spot open right now. They're not worried about like climbing over the second apron because if they if they sign somebody, they have the taxpayer mid level available to them if they wanted to kind of like if they wanted to outbid somebody else because they got away from the second apron that that they have that available to them now. So, you know, I'm I think ultimately it's and especially after seeing everything that transpired today they i think their value judgment was you know you're getting you know for multiple second round picks you're getting near back-end rotation players why not just do that in the buyout market and i think that's that's kind of ultimately what they, what they decided and the guys that weren't um back-end rotation players that were acquired with seconds today like buddy and bojan those were bigger contracts and Either one of them would have made sense for the Heat. I've been clamoring for Bullion forever. You know that. But to me, like, I mean, it's not to me. It's it's just straight up. After they traded Kyle, their only way to have, like, made a Boyan trade work, even if you did, like, throw in the seconds, which the Heat could have in theory, is uh, a Tyler Hero trade of, of some sort. Because, you know, Hero, I mean, Lowry was that contract that could help you match some things. And he's not here anymore. They obviously weren't going to reroute Terry, and they weren't going to trade Tyler at, at this trade deadline. So the, the Bojan and Buddy type of deals for seconds and salary filler became out of the picture. And it was mostly just about trying to find small contracts and, you know, very specific type of guys. And so I think they, they basically said it's not worth it for us to, you know, um, use up some of these seconds for somebody who we could feel like we feel like if we want to just add death pieces, we could do that in the buyout market.
0: Yeah, it's I mean better to use the seconds as a sweetener for a bigger deal down the road. And and you mentioned uh, you know, players going for seconds. I mean, Tillman, who wasn't traded today, was traded yesterday to Boston. Boston had to trade the seconds because they they're in the second apron. They they can't go into the buyout market at all. Um, there are seven teams, Miami's one of them that that can't go over the certain number over the 12.4 million. But Boston couldn't go in at all, so they had to trade the picks for him. We figured that they would make some kind of a move like that. They did, but that's really all that they could do. So Miami won't be in competition with them, at least for buyout players. I'm going to come back to this. And I I think, again, if you're going to trade assets, it has to be for a guy who can be in your final seven. But to pick up a depth piece of the buyout market, like last year they kind of had to promise Kevin Love you know, a certain role. They—I don't think they have to promise some of these guys. Like, I think Thad Young is the type of guy that they could get to come without having to do that. And to me, to put another veteran in that room, I know that it was talked about with PJ Tucker uh, as an option. Looks like he's going to stay with the Clippers now. But uh, to me, Thad's a perfect fit for that. Like, I—he, you know—they've done this before with Rashard Lewis, who's in the world. A lot of times they bring guys back. They brought Steve Smith back years ago. Eddie Jones a uh, later time, but they did—they weren't the same player that they were before. Um, but they were still a good locker room, guys. And I, I I think that adding one more to the mix, particularly with UD not there all the time, uh, would make some sense. I would look at Young. I would look at Porter if he's healthy. I think,
2: right. I think Milton is a good Milton idea, too. What's that? No, I was saying the same thing. I think Milton is a good idea. Porter probably a cleaner fit than Young just because, you know, he can shoot it. Whereas Young is kind of, you know, you probably wouldn't see him next to playing. I mean, playing next to Bam. And, you know, maybe he could play next to Kevin Love. But then at yeah. that point, like, are you playing him next to Kevin and Jimmy since they like to do those, that pairing together? And, you know, I think that Young would feel nicely as, like, a guy they play in the high post and they run, like, a dribble handoff through him type of guy. But I don't see him as a spacer.
0: But what, but what about also just preserving love to the playoffs here where if you had Young, maybe yeah. you can give Kevin another night or two yeah. off. Like, that, that that would make some That's, sense. Also, if, if you're not comfortable going to Jovic – with the role that you would have to give Jovich right now. And I know fans want to see Jovich play. And I More understand More comfortable that, playing and young as the
2: back of five instead of Jovich, essentially, when love is out.
0: Exactly. It, it, yeah. just, it just gives you another option while, while Jovich continues to season here. But uh, the overall point is this. And I think this is beyond the fact that they made their trade, which was the Rosier trade, which was a significant trade. Ultimately, okay, they were not going to trade Tyler Hero before this deadline. And that was the piece okay so once you move the lowry contract if you weren't going to move tyler we know duncan's value has changed over time jovich they didn't really want to have to give him up unless they had to in a bigger deal and caleb it looks like they 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 value his athleticism and what he could bring if he's healthy so it's worth rolling the dice and seeing where it is after the season but ultimately it comes down to this and i tweeted this today this team will go as far as its key guys take them and so whatever these other teams did, okay, this comes down to Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler, because Tyler includes himself in that mix, and Eric Spolstra figuring out how to maximize themselves, okay, that trio uh, to get this thing done. And ultimately, there was nothing you were going to do in this trade market. Rozier helps, okay, he helps, and he will help more. But there was he nothing was you were today. Going to do he today would have been the
2: best player move market. today.
0: Yeah. Right, I mean, once Ananobi and Siakam were were moved, yes, and Harden. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like but we don't if, want to talk about that trade just happened today. today to we would be talking about the Heat winning the trade deadline if that Heat if yes. that trade happened today.
0: And there's nothing Terry Rozier's done since he's gotten here that has made me feel worse about the trade. Again, he's shooting in the low 30s, but I think that will come up as the role becomes more defined. It feels like at times he's been very hesitant, and at other times he's forced things. I think they will sort that out over time. And, again, he's a flippable piece down the road if it doesn't work out. So I, there's a lot of reasons I like that move, and I still do. All right, thanks to Brady. Thanks to Alex. Thanks to our sponsors. ShopTubCulture.com. That's ShopTubCulture.com. Use the code 5. Prize picks. use the code 5. Better Edge. use the code 5RSN. We'll do a deep dive on Rosier and how that's been going and how it could maybe be going better over the weekend. And, of course, we've got Celtics Heat for you on Sunday on full coverage. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five and Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad.